Well, hello. Welcome to Brand Therapy, the podcast where we help you position and build and promote your brand. I'm Phil. And I'm Lauren. And we are so happy you are here. Today's topic is interesting. You know, on this podcast, we talk about your brands. I use the term brand and business interchangeably. And one of the themes not unique to our conversations, but really all across the internet, as people have scrambled to figure out what to do, one of those topics has been, okay, we've got a business that heavily relies on being together or having people together in real life. How do we transition this thing online? So we thought it would be good to dedicate an entire episode to just the two of us having our casual chats, as we've done more recently. And you listeners have seemed to enjoy it. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. So we're going to talk about that today. Maybe some ideas, tips, ways considerations, examples on how to transition a business that might be more focused on in-person engagements, how you can start to do some of those things online. Sound good? I mean, it sounds great to me. Do you have any initial thoughts on this big, wide open idea? Yeah, I do. So I think as a starting point of discussion... We should talk about why a business might want to transition to online. Great. Well, <laughs> do you have any preliminary thoughts? I do. And I'll just be totally upfront and honest as I normally am. I have been, and you have been, relatively unaffected by current events related to an international pandemic suffered by the world. Not even relatively. Completely. We've been unaffected. In fact, business has actually grown. And I feel weird saying that out loud because it's not something I'm publicizing out of respect for the people who are struggling right now. And I have very close friends that have lost businesses and gone bankrupt. We made this transition. You know, we're lucky because we didn't, no one knew that this was coming down the line. But I think just based on lifestyle choices and efficiencies, which you and I both value, we made the transition online. We've been using Zoom for three years. We don't do meetings in person because it's inefficient. We both used to live in LA where people love getting together in real life. Phil, can we get a happy coffee? Happy hour. Hey, let's get happy hour. Let's like meet up in real life. Is that convenient for you? No, it's not convenient <laughs> for me because we meet for an hour and you spend two hours in traffic to get to a one hour meeting and literally you've lost the day. And we just, it's the two of us and we got to run a tight show to be able to accommodate the type of projects we have. And so this has been, it's funny when you think about early March, right? We went into a little bit of a panic mode. We called Brad, business advisor, Brad, Brad, what do we do? He was like, well, we don't know how businesses are going to be affected by this. We certainly didn't know. But for us, we've had our three best months of business in our history. Yeah. So... I guess I'm not saying that to brag, but it does sound good out loud. Ha! <laughs> mm -hmm. Not saying it to brag, but saying it because unlike a lot of businesses, we've been unaffected by it. But we have been, I would say one of our initiatives has been to help people who have been affected by it. I mean, we've had lots of phone calls. We've helped a lot of people navigate these tricky territories. So we've got lots to share today for some of you that are less clear on how to make that transition. 
Yeah. So I seriously think that depending on your business, there is complete freedom if you can give value to people without requiring an office, without requiring a space. And basically, if you can make money with an internet connection and a computer, you will always be able to thrive in uncertain times and you will still be able to provide value to others. I think that's kind of the ideal situation to strive for. And what are some of the hangups? Why do people think that things need to happen in real life? I don't know because I You're hate... asking the wrong people. <laughs> well, okay, but so we've had a few clients say to us, oh, what do you mean you're not based in the Chicago area? That's unfortunate. What do you mean you don't have an office? Yeah, that's where I'm based. What have we said to those people? Well, we say, and it's true, that we don't have an office and we work completely remotely because it allows us to eliminate unnecessary overhead, keep our prices at a good place and really be as efficient as possible by having more time freed up to work with people around the world. I think it's a good answer. Pretty compelling argument, if you ask me. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good answer. And I seriously think that while Zoom can't ever fully replace the in-person experience, it sure comes close. Like it does come really, really close. Modern technology allows you to develop relationships with people without meeting them. And so, of course, like meeting someone in person, there's you get like a feeling of their essence and it can be easier to connect with them. But I don't know. I think Zoom comes pretty close, don't you think? Yeah. And I think there is something to be said about Zoom fatigue is now this new coin term. But at the same time, kind of weren't people more fatigued by traffic and commutes, you know? Yeah. You kind of got to pick your battles. And I think now's the time for creativity. That's the most important thing is how do you get creative about this? So there's a few anecdotes and a few stories. Speakers, motivational speakers, an audience that we've helped and branded a lot of people. Many people are out of work because gigs aren't happening in real life. And I've witnessed some interesting pivots and creative pivots and evolutions in this time. Virtual training has now become something. Virtual events. And by the way, it's not like an easy, just a, a simple substitute. There's a lot of work that goes into the technology behind a virtual event. The details. My friend Jenny Melrose pivoted her event from in-person where people had literally flights booked in March in two weeks, turned her event from in-person to online in two weeks. Psycho. And I got to tell you something. The event was amazing. And I went to a virtual happy hour with a glass of white wine in hand. We got clients from that event. Shout out to Sweet Katie. Yep. Sophia. I mean, Amy Caswell. I have people in my courses. I met some amazing people at that event. I think my best compliment to Jenny Melrose after that event, I said, I think the online event was just as good as it would have been in person. And that's not an easy feat because I think there's also a sense that as soon as something becomes online, it feels less valuable. I don't think it's necessarily the truth, but do you have any ideas on like how we would address that if someone's trying to address the fact that the online version is not less valuable? Yeah, so 
I think that something seems more valuable when there's a set process and consistency. So like if someone was thinking about transitioning their business to be fully online, the first thing that I would recommend is to instill confidence through consistent visuals, clear copy, and a clear process of how to work together or how to buy your product. That to me is like the first thing because if someone looks or appears scattered or disheveled in real life, you question their ability to deliver on what you're thinking of hiring them for. Exact same thing online. If you look put together, if you look crisp, if you've got a clear tone of voice and an easy like way to comprehend and envision yourself working with that person, I just feel like the guesswork is kind of taken out. You know? I do. I think so much of this is communication. Communicating expectations, process, structure, the more guesswork you can take out of something, the more clarity your customer will have and confidence that you can deliver. Yeah. And that applies to events, that applies to services. I don't know if you have any creative examples of people pivoting to online, but I have one that comes to mind. And I've seen a few people make this pivot. And we've even blogged about it, right? You and I did uh, kind of like an emergency live back in March, remember? And we talked about Mm -hmm. pivoting and what to do in this tricky time. If anyone wants to watch or listen to that, it was a podcast episode that we did live. And it was a live stream. That's on our blog, philpallon.co slash resources. But one that I, still my favorite pivot, is of someone that you could never imagine it being possible that they could pivot online. And that person is an Olympic athlete, a bobsled, bobsledder. Is that a word? Bobsledder? Sounds right to me. Get this. Someone who can't physically perform or train their vocation, their expertise. Get this. And we should link to this in the podcast episode notes. She created, very early on, she acted fast. She created an Airbnb online experience. And it's still live. It's still there. It's called My Olympic Journey from the back of a bobsled. And she's based in LA. Her name is Lauren. And she was a 2018 Olympic medalist and a 2020 world champion in the sport of bobsled. In this experience, which is, I think, $35 per person, she has over 100 reviews. Like, isn't that cool? She says, "Here's, here's what you can expect. Hear about my life going from board meetings and conference calls to bobsled helmets and Olympic dreams. We'll connect from our homes for introductions, set goals for our time together. She shares her journey. She shows some of the gear. She talks about overcoming advers- adversity. She shows her Olympic medal. She does a Q&A at the end. It's so cool. And the reviews are glowing. There are almost over 100 positive reviews from this experience. I mean, isn't that cool? It's incredible. It's so brilliant. If she can do this, you can do it, I think. And so it just, it takes some creativity. Yeah, for sure. I also think that if you can, and really everyone should be able to do this no matter what their business is, I think that what you said about communication is so critical And whether you work with clients or just general customers, I really think to transition online, you need to have Slack or some kind of messenger or a live chat 
so that people or your customers feel closer to you. Absolutely. And there's tons of apps and technology. I mean, if you weren't using Zoom before this, you certainly are now. But there are other tools, again, like I even feel weird talking about them because they're so, to me, they're common sense. But for a lot of people, they're not. Maybe we even break down how our setup is and what, how we use each app. So Zoom is for calls. And by the way, we don't set the expectation that every Zoom call is a video call. Our brand no. audits are video calls. And our first look of brand identities when we're ready to show someone their first concept of their logo. We usually do those as video, but otherwise... Not always, though. Not always. Yeah, we usually... I mean, the brand audit, anything like major, major is video, but otherwise we let people know this is audio only. <laughs> and it's like, yeah. it doesn't make a big difference for me because I show up in bedhead to any call that's just me. That's not what you're paying yeah. for. But like, what <laughs> about like women who have to put on like makeup? Not have to, but want to. And like, I don't know. It's just, I think it's a courtesy to not expect for every call to be video. Yeah. Agreed. I always will ask female clients if they want the call to be video because especially during the lockdown when women couldn't get their hair done, I was thinking like, gosh, like if you've got like gray hair coming in and everyone you're talking to is wanting a video call, that's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> you know? It's distracting. It's like, yeah. Yeah. And it can make someone feel really self-conscious unnecessarily. So no pressure for video. It is helpful in a special you know, situation like a brand audit, as you mentioned, Phil, just because you can feel a little closer to the person and see them while they're being vulnerable. Yes. But other than that, I don't think video is critical at all. I agree. We use Asana. We've talked about that before as our project management software. And we use a plugin called EverHour, which enables our contractors and our team members to actually time themselves when working on tasks and they don't send me paper invoices. Instead, I can look at the end of the month and see how much they've worked, pay them accordingly. And that enables us to also report so accurately down to the minute to our clients on where we're at with retainers and project statuses. So those are yeah. our go-tos for that. Slack. And oh, one yeah, thing I want to add though. Go for it. Another great thing about Asana is that I think it's done wonders for communication within our team. Because instead of having to start a formal email every time you want to talk with someone or check in on something, it's everything is like siloed in Asana in a very good way. So I feel like it becomes more about the work and less about the kind of like dance of love working with coworkers, if that makes sense. It does. So we're talking about transitioning. Let's take a little break from that conversation, a little pause, and let our listeners know what we have for them this week. So this week on the blog, we have a really cool and really necessary blog post, in our opinion. It's five nonprofit marketing tips. Now, if you work for a charity or if you even have your own nonprofit, we really compiled our favorite tips of all time so that you can stand out on social media without breaking the bank. This is also applicable to people who aren't in the nonprofit industry, but just don't really have funds necessarily to invest into social media and branding. So we hope that it'll be a really good resource for our listeners. Yes, I think a lot of people are going to love this blog post. Should we also talk about the course launch? Oh, yeah. 
Okay, so we just launched Instagram Mastery. Honestly, I love this course. I love all of our courses, but this one is special. This is teaching people how to ace all four verticals of Instagram. So we're talking feed, stories, live, and IGTV. Really, almost like you have to think about each one as their own social media platforms. Also, this course took me over 100 hours to make, so I'm really proud of how it turned out, and we had a really successful launch last week. Really super thrilled about this, and I'd love for you to check it out. It is philp.al slash Instagram, and you can use the promo code THERAPY50 to get 50% off. We've had a few questions. Some of Some people are beginners, some are intermediate or advanced. This course is for everyone, and I think you'll love it. Yeah, I remember you saying that people with quadruple the Instagram following you have, have purchased this course. So if that's not an indicator that this course is for everyone, I don't know what is. Yes, there are people that have taken this course that have more followers than me that have found it to be useful, right? The way that we approach content, the way that we help busy people make sense of this platform and utilize all of the opportunities that exist for people to build, position, grow their brands. So Brand 50 will get you 50% off that promo code works for our podcast listeners, and I hope you check it out. Fantastic. Should we get back to our conversation about the transition? Yeah, let's do it. Now back to our conversation. Yeah, I'm just kind of, I'm outlining some of these tools so people can understand how we use them differently. So the, the next one would be Slack. And we use Slack whenever we need to talk about something. So for example, we wouldn't rely solely on Asana comments on a task. Slack being more like almost like an instant messenger is better for when we want to discuss something, not only internally. So with our team, for example, our clients don't have access to our contractors, our designers, website creators. Lauren and I are the points of contact for any kind of project. So we talk to our own team on Slack. We also talk to our clients on Slack. We try to get them, unless they're radically opposed to the idea, we try to get them over to Slack onto a Slack channel, a private Slack channel between them and between us. And that's where we show updates, where we talk about things. And I love Slack for that reason, to be able to use it from a computer, to be able to use it from your phone. It's designed really well. Totally. It's the best. And it is just, I think anything you can do to eliminate emails is a good thing. So it's just been like a godsend for that reason. Why do you think it t- things take so much longer with email? Because like, why would you leave email if people are comfortable over there? I think that the minutes add up. And I think sending an email takes way longer than sending a quick message on Slack. I think there's a formality that you can't shake off in email because the tone you write is so important. So if you were to email a client or message a client to check in on, you know, their brand identity feedback, if you don't like, unless if you don't preface with like, hi, so-and-so, hope you're having a nice week. Just wanted to check in on this. Like if you were just going to be like, do you have any updates on the brand identity feedback? And that was the only email you sent. I feel like it could be very problematic and feel Mm -hmm. pointed. Whereas... Slack as like a messenger app is more like playful yeah. as like a medium. So I think you can just save a lot of time. I agree. Well, we've we've talked now a little bit about the business setup, at least how it works for us, a business that's been 
solely online for years. I'm in Mexico right now. You're in Vancouver. We're literally across the world vertically in North America. Even though this podcast makes it sound like we are sitting together in the same room, we found a way to make it work to be able to work online. What about, here's to kind of change course a little bit. So if we think about businesses that are struggling, I'm probably curious about how to continue gaining momentum online. I think about conferences. Yes, conferences can switch to being online. We've talked about how to handle objections to pricing, right? If something's online, people might feel like it's less valuable. How do you address that? What about a charity? So a charity that's used to fundraisers in person that might be getting lost in the shuffle. So this is an interesting kind of controversial thing to bring up. Right now, the world in turmoil, you've got obvious charities that come to mind, health organizations. If I think about the UK, I think about the NHS, for example, right? They're getting a lot of attention at the charity level, right? So how, what about other organizations that are not immediately representative of current events and discussions? How do they stand out? Well, it's not going to be easy. I think if you've got compelling data, use that data. So for example, if you're running like a cancer research nonprofit, Use that data to remind people of the magnitude of the problem you're trying to solve. And if you can't use data because maybe your charity or nonprofit is more community focused, then use storytelling. I think really the easiest way to promote your cause is to have guest takeovers with different audiences because then you'll be A, solving a problem by populating your social media feeds with like someone else is basically doing the work instead of you by having a guest, which is great. And then as well, if you've got a guest taking over, then your organization will be exposed to all of their audience too. So you'll be getting you'll be getting broader reach. I think that's that's so funny. I wrote down unique storytelling opportunities. That's literally Whoa. in my notes. Because if you think about it, charities and businesses, there's always going to be someone bigger and better and richer and access to more resources. You know, there's always going to be someone bigger. So competition is different, right? Because now if you're online, geography isn't a unique factor, right? It doesn't really matter where you are physically. So the competition is different and there's always going to be bigger players. So this is kind of where niching down is important and telling a different story is important. You don't want to just piggyback from someone bigger or try and copy someone else because imitators are never going to be better than the originator, right? Focus on unique storytelling opportunities. Work with what you have is your point, right? Like don't try and reinvent the wheel, but just take, take a minute and go, what do we have? We don't have data. Maybe we have some case studies of lives that have really been affected positively by our work. Get a picture of that person. Get them on Zoom and record it. I don't care what you got to do, but tell that story in a compelling way. Imagine you have children, right? And it's bedtime story time. Bedtime story time. Yeah. 
how are you going to, I mean, you want your kid to fall asleep, but at the same time, you want them to enjoy your story. How do you tell that story? What are the conventions you follow to grab their attention and keep them interested? You know, that's kind of like mm-hmm. storytelling at a very basic level that we can all relate to as like a young person. How do you keep someone interested, compelled, engaged? I'm always telling people, when you stop and notice something, I need you to not just operate like a consumer and go, oh, this is nice. Keep scrolling. I need you to notice that you noticed them. Be a marketer. Be a savvy marketer. When something stops you in your tracks, it could be an ad. It could be a social media post. You know what I do? I save it. Either take a screenshot of it and put it in a folder in a platform like Dropmark or on Facebook, you can actually save posts. So for example, I spent five minutes looking at a Facebook ad this morning and then clicking on the landing page. I wasn't about to buy it, but I saved it because I thought, you know what? This guy grabbed my attention or this girl grabbed my attention. Like, I'm going to reference this when I need to write my next Facebook ad. Like, notice you noticing things. And I think just my last point on this is like technology will always change and evolve, but storytelling, the human component of this will never change. It will never change. So that's what you really need to lean on. Couldn't agree more. I guess there's also an argument here. Is it like geography? Yes, it used to be a unique or, you know, a common thread that might connect people. But it's also kind of exciting that it's not a limiter anymore either. It, you know, geography yeah. won't limit you. Maybe there were people who couldn't come to your event before because of the time or because of the geography, the need of travel, right? Now, actually, maybe brands need to be expanding their horizons. And maybe it is a less expensive offering slightly since there is that thing of, oh, well, if it's online, it's not quite as valuable, even though I disagree with it. Maybe you consider that in the pricing of your offering, product or service, you bring down the price slightly, but know that you can cast a wider net now. I don't know. That's like something that's food for thought. You know, it might sound like I'm angry, but it's not. I'm passionate. I think that it's so easy when you're marketing to think about all the things you want to say. It's like, what do we want to communicate? What do we want to blast out? What is it that we want to say? And people don't think about what others want to hear. And mm. that to me is the real, that's why I get so mad because when I like check my inbox and I have brands that I love blasting me with information that I can tell was them checking off a list and not thinking about what me as the subscriber wants to see or what I might find interesting can be really off-putting. So something that I would just really encourage people to think about is like, pay attention to what your audience is responding to. If you're getting DMs, read those DMs and really, really take them to heart and think about what the audience wants from you, not what you want to say. It's a really good point. And I think it's a good reminder because we get a little bit caught up, especially in moments of vulnerability and scariness and change we get a little bit too caught up in our heads, our own heads. Like, what do we want? What do we need to survive? The minute you flip it over and make it about them, that's when you have the basis for a really strong, compelling argument, product, service. And at that point, right, when you start to communicate for them and their needs, even advertising might not even be necessary. Totally. Interesting. Well, oh my God, I can't believe we've talked for almost half an hour already. 
I'd be time flies. Time flies when you're having a fun little conversation. I'm super curious to hear what you, listener, are thinking in this moment of time. I know we've like we kind of gave a little casual little throwdown of our perspective on this. We've talked about tech. We've talked about different types of businesses. Some creative examples of taking your business from in person to online. We'd love to hear from you. Yes, you. You've taken the time to listen to us. We would love to hear from you. We're on social media. I'm at Phil Palin. I'm at the Lauren Moore. Hashtag brand therapy to continue the conversation. And if you've enjoyed this episode, let us know. Some of you, like shout out to um, Louise, sent me a message yesterday and said, Phil, I love this week's podcast episode. And I love when you love our episodes. Send us a DM. Let us know you're listening. If you enjoyed this as well, um, it would help us a lot if you head over to the iTunes store and leave us a five-star, five-star review because it helps other people discover this podcast that we work really hard to make. So we appreciate that. We appreciate you listening. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. If you've made any kind of pivots or evolutions of your brand in these difficult times, we'd love to hear about it. And um, you know, we'll be back with a new episode next week or whenever it is. I think it's next week. Yeah, it's next week. Good stuff. Thanks for hanging out with us. Yay. Thanks for hanging out with us right here on Brand Therapy. I'm Phil. And I'm Lauren. And we will be back with you soon. Have a great day. Bye.